Hello everyone. Before you get to go on the fantastic journey with Derek Walklake on the 49th episode of the Fantastical Podcast, I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who has listened, who has followed us on social media as we are coming up to the Fantastical Podcast's very first birthday, which is on Wednesday the 12th of May and that'll be a year to the day since I recorded the first episode with my good friend, Mr. Paul Levy. It's been a fantastic year talking to friends, both old and new, about their passion and excitement and the feeling they get from music. I've also spoke to some artists, which has been brilliant. I've got a fantastic episode coming up for the 50th episode in a week's time, probably the biggest artist we've had on the podcast so far, so stay tuned for that announcement but I just wanted to say thanks to everyone make sure you know you're spreading the good word of the fantastical make sure you're getting as many people as you can to follow us on our twitter account so all that's left to say is enjoy Derek Walk Late think of us on Wednesday send us a uh, a happy birthday message tweet about it tell your mates have a great week and enjoy Derek And all, and welcome to the podcast we call the Fantastical with myself, Stephen Nussbaum, in the podcast where I invite my friends to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes and gig and festival experiences, and they get to collect their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. We are now on episode 49, coming up to the big 5 0 on a beautiful Easter Sunday, and this is the first pod that I've done since turning 41. So a massive thank you to everyone who sent me their birthday wishes and fantastical um, greetings. It was amazing to see so many well wishes come in. So thanks to everyone who sent me um, a happy birthday message. And a thank you to Simon Mason, who was my last guest in episode 48. I really love that one. I'm currently reading his book that I highly recommend called Too High, Too Far, too soon. That is a great book and if you've still not listened to his band, The Hightown Pirates, I urge you to do so immediately. So enough waffle from me. Let's crack on with the 49th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. And a gentleman I've known for quite a while and I've stolen this introduction from his Twitter page. I thought his Twitter bio summed him up perfectly. So I've got a craft beer enthusiast, a Port Vale fan and follower of great music, which this podcast is all about. So it's my pleasure to introduce the wonderful Mr. Derek Walklake. Hi, Steve. Mate, lovely. By the way, lovely. A bit late with a happy birthday, <laughs> mate. Not a problem. Forty-one now. A new, a new year for me, mate. Lovely to see you. I've not seen you in a while. It's lovely to catch up with you. Have been you a while. on the podcast, Derek? How are you, mate? How How's the last couple of months been for you? I'm very good, thank you. The last couple of months have been the same as any other month, really, apart from the obvious of uh, lack of going to the pub and lack of uh, gigs. But uh, I, I work two or three days a week binary, so that keeps me active and gets me out of the house, gives me something to do. So I've been doing that now for 18 months. Great stuff, great stuff. So I mentioned a craft beer enthusiast. I mentioned Port Vale fan, follower of great music, which we'll come on to 
So I guess for people not listening who might not know too much more about yourself, tell us a bit more about who, who the myth and the legend behind the man Derek Walkley is. Well, I was born in Stoke-on-Trent, so uh, I spent 26 years living living up there in the north, um, hence my connection to Port Vale, etc., and Staffordshire Oatcakes and great food like that. So I moved down here, and I was actually working for a bank, um, and I worked for a bank for 14 years, which is enough to bore anybody. Um, and then I uh, joined HMV. Um, but I was based over in Marlow and Maidenhead as part of HMV Group, which was very different than HMV UK. Um, so I felt a little bit out of it music-wise because I've always been a massive, massive music fan. And working for HMV Group, it's very much a corporate entity. Um, so I was a little bit removed from the music side of things. But luckily, I still went to millions of gigs over that time, bought loads of CDs and vinyl, etc., as you would. Also, during that time, 12 years of that time, I was uh, the group systems audit manager. So I visited HMV Japan, HMV Australia, Hong Kong, US, Canada, etc. And it was great to be actual there in the business and talking to the music side of things um, a lot more. In fact, went to quite a few gigs in those countries as well, where I got taken to, which which was another bonus of the of the job. And then uh, I had a brief time out of HMV where I was with Cineworld and Waterstones before coming back to HMV and spent the last four years helping in IT before calling it a day to my work life a couple of years back. And as I said, since then, I find myself working part time at Stanlake Park Vineyard and Winery, doing everything from pruning, bottling and labelling to, well, drinking wine as well. Somebody's got to taste it. So if anybody's over that way and fancies a glass of wine, please please pop along. It's a great place to be. Sounds amazing. Sounds amazing. So great insight there into yourself. And you've mentioned already kind of how passionate you are and how much into music you are. So music-wise, what, what are you into? Are there any genres that stand out for you or are you an all-round kind of listen to anything? I'm definitely an all-rounder. I try not to really think of genres, either like it or don't, but I... I, I I think we all tend to put music in genres anyway, whether we want to or not. So it could be absolutely anything. I mean, I suppose I was brought up really initially listening to early Rod Stewart, again, because I had an older who got me into that type of things. But, you know, those um, those early ones of an old raincoat won't ever let you down and Picture Tells a Story when Rod Stewart was actually good before he went very commercial. And then moving into a bit of prog rock, really, with Yes and Emerson, Lake and Palmer and Free, before I uh, I found my feet and went headlong into punk, believe it or not. <laughs> so I was one of the first punks in Stoke-on-Trent. There weren't many of us around at the time. And I was actually the roadie for one of the local bands called The Verdicts, uh, which we stumbled into by accident. Met this guy, and before I knew it, he'd got his speakers in the back of my van, which I had. And uh, we went to all the gigs and... Um, I do recall we always went on stage for the encore, and Mason, Mason, myself, and we used to sing along to "Wanna Be Your Man" on stage. <laughs> Not that I can sing; it was more shouting. So using the word "sing" probably probably overegging it somewhat. But since then, um, Mother Half was the artist relations manager for Zildjian Cymbals, so uh, we know a hell of a lot of drummers. So anybody who knows a drummer, I probably know them, met them. Um, spent time with them and so she was with uh, 25 years so we, we we were going to so many gigs it probably started with five or six a week to begin with 
Um, it did a lessen in the last few years. But uh, so I've really kept up sort of going to festivals and gigs and and will do again as soon as lockdown is lifted and we're out and about in the big wide world. Well, fingers crossed, fingers crossed. I love this podcast. Already I found out something I didn't know about you, the fact that you was a roadie for a punk band. I love it. I love it. Little known facts. I love it. And you kind of mentioned, I guess, your contact with drummers. Have you got any drummers who stand out for you? I guess... Are there any drummers who, who are your favourites that you listen to and you go, wow? Um, yeah, it's kind of, you, you know, there are drummers drummers as well who people won't have heard of, but the drumming community really looks up to them. And, the, you know, the Steve Gads of the world who probably I can't get too excited about, but actually when you're about six feet away at the side of the stage for a drummer, you, you do realise the immense effort they put into it. So I don't want to mention the killers too much because people get bored of my killers connections but ronnie venucci is an absolutely fantastic drummer very very good and people like ben thatcher of royal blood great drummer really does really pound those drums somewhat but they're probably my two favorites but there's loads of people out there more technical drummers as well that there's there's lots of varying elements to to drummers and it's something I really cannot do. I, I've, <laughs> I've tried briefly. But I remember my half Tina um, saying to me when she joined Zildjian, say, 26 years ago, um, oh, you know, why don't you take drumming lessons? As loads of drummers come into the office, they happily give you lessons, you know, and the world's top drummers as well. You could be taught by them. But uh, just thinking about hands doing one, each hand doing one thing and each foot doing another, it's just a skill set sort of beyond me, as well as keeping rhythm, which I really don't have. But that's the other thing. My love of music it is certainly not determined by my skills in music because I really have no musical skills whatsoever. <laughs> well, I think you've got a good ear for music. You mentioned some great kind of acts and some great drummers already. Is there anything that you're listening to at the moment that's caught your ear, whether that's an old, older artist that's come back into favour with you or a newer artist, anything that you, that's currently doing it for you? I do tend to listen to newer stuff rather than older stuff. As much as I like all my older stuff, it, it's, it, it doesn't come out very often. Um, so listening to newer music, um, Another Sky, for example, was probably that was my album of 2020, I would say. A fantastic album from start to finish. There's not a bad track on that. Um, Jenny Beth, who's a singer of the Savages, as, as her solo album, I think, is great. And she's just come out with a single with Bobby Gillespie of Primal Scream fame. And that's due for release in June. So I look forward to that. Um, but again, bizarre things like FKA Twigs, which I think she's absolutely fantastic. St- new Stephen Wilson album, The Future Bites, is great. And certainly quite a move away from his Porcupine Tree music. Um, I know it gets berated quite a lot online because there's lots of uh, guitarists out there who worship Porcupine Tree and just cannot cannot handle the, the new way he's gone with this more of a pop-structured album. But again, it's just a great album. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff. So let me take you back, Din, a few years ago. Uh, I won't ask you how old you are because I'm a gentleman. But let's go back, to, I guess, before the punk phase happened, or maybe around the punk phase, yeah. where you're a younger man, you've got some money in your pocket, you're ready to buy your first single or your first album. Do you remember what they were and your recollections of those? I do indeed. I do indeed. Um, first single, I'm still quite proud of this, was 5.15 by The Who. Amazing. Still, 
a really classic song and I remember buying that and it's great. When it goes on to albums, they were a lot more expensive and I didn't quite have money in my pocket. The first album was one called The Big War Movie Themes and it had all things like the 633 Squadron and The Great Escape on it and things like that. And I used to love that type of music. And then uh, sort of, I, I started to get into David Bowie big time. And again, it was another music for pleasure, the world of David Bowie, which had absolutely awful songs on it, like The Laughing Gnome and, and songs like that, which, which were pretty awful. But that's what I could afford at the time. And then I think my next album was Hello by Status Quo. So uh, I'm not exactly a big Status Quo fan, but uh, <laughs> that was in there. Great, great stuff. Great stuff. So you mentioned already kind of you've got you've been to loads of gigs you've been to lots of festivals i take it you're a keen festival goer are there any that's kind of stood out for you or any acts at any festivals that you look back on and you go wow that was that was unbelievable well i i guess i'd go immediately back to to the last big festival i went to no i did go to reading did it? no reading didn't happen last year did it so i didn't go to that i went to glastonbury last year that was my first time in Glastonbury, and we we went to see the Killers in Cardiff on the Friday, and they went to Glastonbury on the Saturday, courtesy of the Killers, and um, they they invited us to stand at the side of the stage. So I was, we were sort of next to the family members of the band, and I think there was Jimmy Carr on one side, there was David Beckham across the other side, wow. and to be that close and looking out over the crowd at Glastonbury was awesome absolutely amazing and the gig itself was fantastic with Johnny Marr coming on and the Pet Shop Boys joining them but again we get so well looked after by the killers you know going to their after show party and actually talking to the Pet Shop Boys and Johnny Marr and things like that it's, it's it was a fantastic night really really memorable but I've been to so many we always go to the Isle of Wight Festival every year I've seen some fantastic gigs there uh, some fantastic bands playing and Reading as well because Reading is uh, not too far down the road from where I live so it is quite nice to go to a festival like Reading and jump on the train or a taxi and uh, be home in bed um, before it gets too dark in fact I, I think it was I can't remember which band was playing I think it was Kasabi or something were headlining and uh, I think it was about 10 they were just about to come on and the rain started we actually jumped in a cab got home watched it on tv live <laughs> <laughs> I, I probably should be embarrassed about that not talking about it no joe lots of people when when they name their fantasy um festival venues always want to do one close to home so then they can get to walk home so there's no there's no shame there's no shame in that at all so it sounds like you've been to quite a few festivals so let's talk about gigs then that you've been to do you have any favorite gigs that you look back on again been to so many yeah, things like early day festivals. I saw the Faces and Emerson Lake and Palmer, Bad Company, and then yeah, I saw the Clash, the Jam, Bowie, Depeche Mode. I mean, I've even been to like if you take that concerts again, shouldn't be too proud of that, but they put on an absolutely fantastic show. And I saw the um, Kate Bush as part of her um, her last gigs she did at Hammersmith. And that was fantastic. And I've also been lucky to see, been invited to final dress rehearsals of Bray Studios for Robbie Williams and Kylie, whereby you're in like a big studio, which is like a warehouse, like an aircraft hangar type environment. And they do the show exactly as they would do the show at BO2. So it's full costumes. They, they even do some of the ad hoc 
talking in between, introducing the songs, and it's like being at the gig, apart from you look around and there's four people there. And so that's quite an interesting thing to see. But I love seeing gigs um, overseas as well. So I, me I mentioned earlier with when I was with HMV and went to Australia, I actually saw Oasis and Pearl Jam both play in Sydney. I even saw Marillion in San Francisco, again, not an HMV gig, but uh, and also with the Killers, um, they were playing in Tokyo when I visited there, so managed to get along to see them in Japan, which is very interesting to see a band play in Japan than anywhere else, because you're not quite sure how it's going to go. They, they are very, very polite. But I've also seen Killers in Stockholm and in Rome as well. Um, so there, there is quite a buzz about seeing a band in, in a, overseas. It, it does give it a different angle completely. But again, one of the other standout gigs for me, I'd have to say, was I went to see Mott the Hoople when I was 15, something like that. And there was a small band supporting them who I'd never heard of before, some band called Queen. Wow. And uh, so I walked it and uh, I think I was still at school at the time. So you, you made sure you actually saw the saw the support band in those times you weren't going to pay money and not see a support band so went along not knowing anything and wow they absolutely blew me away i mean again that that tour was part of the um tour where they played at the rainbow live which strangely enough i did watch on sky arts yesterday i think it was 1974 in those days queen were absolutely fantastic i mean as soon as they walked out the, the charisma the drama they were just so dramatic they just engaged the audience in instantly. It was, it was an absolutely fantastic gig. Obviously, I, I love the first three, four albums, and then they went downhill as far as I'm concerned. Again, went very commercial. I mean, you know, anybody releases Radio Gaga and nonsense like that. I'm sorry, it's uh, that certainly doesn't work for me. But but at their time, they were absolutely amazing. Wow! So you've seen some amazing acts. You've probably talked about the three most selected acts to date on the Fantastical with Bowie, The Clash and Queen. So we'll we'll leave those there just in case we're speaking about any more later. But like I said at the top of the podcast, the aim of this Fantastical episode is getting Derek to collate his fantasy festival. So Derek can choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full. And Derek gets to choose an encore for all five acts to perform together at the end of his fantasy festival. So it's very simple. Five acts take five times a lot. So in the last episode of the Fantastical Podcast, I mentioned we had Simon Mason on. He collated his redemption in a tent Fantastical and he held his fantasy festival at Glastonbury. In his opening slot, he had Ike and Tina Turner from circa 1970. In his super second slot, he had the small faces. In his midway master slot, he had the Velvet Underground. And in his pre-headline slot, a first for the Fantastical podcast, he picked his own band, the Hightown Pirates, which is fine to do. So they made their Fantastical debut. And in his headline slot, another act who surprisingly made their Fantastical debut, the Who from 1969. So some great acts there picked. So like I said, Derek, you can pick any five acts. I've got five predictions for you. I spoke to our mutual friend, Mr. Darren <laughs> Houghton. He's given me five names. We'll see if they come off. We'll talk about those five names after we've gone through your five <laughs> acts. So a very important question. And before we go through your acts, you need to get a name for your fantasy festival. We need to get a venue for your fantasy festival. So what are you going to call your fantasy right. festival? Okay, I'm going to call it Val Valiant Festival. 
the Valiant Festival because I've chosen the venue as Vale Park. <laughs> now, you may think, oh, that's a football ground, although calling it football is, <laughs> is uh, obviously questionable at times. But um, Vale Park did have a gig there back in 1981. Um, Motorhead and Ozzy Osbourne played there. Um, and there's a great fact in Lemmy's book, which said they had a complaint from somebody who couldn't hear their TV. They were actually four miles away from the ground. <laughs> the whole stage was made from speakers. And even Lemmy said it's the loudest he's ever heard. Um, so I've gone for I've gone for Vale Park to have it because Robbie Williams was due to play there um, last, last year as well, and that got cancelled. So... Um, we'll do that. But again, a few other venues I, I thought about was, you know, I do like smaller venues. Um, Wilton's Music Hall is possibly my favourite. I love that place. Bush Hall is a good one. Bigger ones I quite like, the Dome in Brighton. Um, often used to pop down there to see bands. Um, but again, and I think Yaz said it a couple of weeks ago, was that the smaller venues are so much better, really. But, you know, going to the O2, it's quite a soulless environment. But it, it, it is what it is. You know, there's so, so many people want to go. So you have to have those types of venues. Great stuff. So Val Park makes its fantastical debut. I do like a lower league football ground. We've had Boundary Park as well from Oldham Athletic. So we're doing League 2 Proud. Still no Brisbane Road, amazingly, but I'm sure that will come up sooner rather than later so before we go through your five acts for the valiant festival i know how difficult it is to get it down just to five acts so are there any acts that you want to mention who you love and who mean a lot to you but for whatever reason just haven't made it into the valiant festival yeah there's lots to be honest so many sort of the, the, i love the mission i've always loved the mission i've loved uh, the cult another of my favorites um, there's people like David Sylvian, probably just didn't fit into a festival, but, you know, I love David Sylvian's voice. I mean, there's a few of his songs, which even now I can't listen to without a tear in my eye. Uh, probably not what you want from a festival, to be honest. Another big favourite of mine, Porcupine Tree, followed those from the early days, and I mentioned Stephen Wilson earlier. The In Absentia album is fantastic, slightly heavy, but really, really good album. There's quite a few didn't make it. People like Muse, I've seen many times. They do a fantastic show. Depeche Mode, I love seeing. Really, really good live. Um, I mentioned Royal Blood earlier as well, but they came very close to to being the mid midway act. Just didn't quite make it purely because there was other ones in there. And again, I almost put Queen down. I've been in their 1974-75 period, but uh, again just beaten to the post really so some great acts not made the valiant festival derek one of my names has gone from my prediction list i have to put a cross next to one of my names i will reveal all like i said after we go for your five acts so one of my acts is gone so let's go on into the fantasy festival it's 2 p.m at val park it's rammed there's speakers everywhere it's going to be another loud one but hopefully not too loud that they'll hear it four miles away sold out Robbie Williams has somehow got a backstage pass he's going around getting in everyone's faces um, and it's full of Port Vale shirts uh, everyone happy everyone smiling two o'clock like I said so it's time for the opening act so Derek who is going to open the Valiant Festival Darren will get this one by the way this will be the first one he came up with it's going to be Bebop Deluxe 
Ah, so Bebop Deluxe um, make their debut, fantastical yeah. debut. So why have you chosen them and why do they open your fantasy festival? Well, again, I got into them from an early, early time. Um, somebody who was, uh, I used to go to college with who's a couple of years older than me, and he, and he said, oh, listen to this track, you'll love it. And he played me Made in Heaven off the Future Armour album, and I just thought, that's fantastic. And from then on, I, I was a massive fan. So, uh, you know, I looked, I looked the other day at the modern music cover, and they're all there in suits and ties. And at, at that time, 76 was just something, well, that's, that's odd. You know, and it, it was all by images, and and they were a little bit different, and they had a certain amount of style. Because I think when you first get into music at, at that age, say seventeen, eighteen, it's not just about the music. You, you're picking up oh. the style as well, and and sort of clothes they're wearing, and how they portray themselves, and things like that. Um, but Bebop Deluxe had it all because fantastic musicians, Bill Nelson, the lead guitarist. Uh, he wrote all the songs. He's still going now, still still playing guitar, still selling lots of albums. But at that time, I think they were they were just such a great band. Really, really. I mean, if you go onto the some of the old Grey Whistle Test clips and see them played there, absolutely fantastic. Um, they were the first name that came into my head really for, for this. Great stuff. So Bebop Deluxe and will open your fancy festival. They'll play for an hour. They'll play from two till three p.m. After that, we'll take a half hour break, and that'll take us to half past three, and it'll be time for your super seconds act to come on. So Derek, who's going to take up your super seconds act? Right. I don't think many people get this one. I'm going to take Anna Calvi uh, being played. I've, I've uh, seen Anna Calvi play many, many times. Always been a fan of hers. And to be honest, I think I prefer seeing her live than listening to her um, on an album. My favourite gig of hers was a 2015 gig. She played David Byrne's Meltdown Festival. Um, David Byrne did come on and join in a couple of songs. But it was a, with a 12-piece choir. And it's one of those gigs you go and see where the hairs on your neck stand up. It's sort of, it was absolutely magical. Um, so there's a 12 piece choir and they were all dressed in these white robes in a semicircle surrounding uh, Anna, who's, who's quite a small girl <laughs> with a guitar. And it was just such a fantastic show. Brilliant. So Anna Calvi always ends up in like best of the year polls for her albums. They're always like within the top three, like in any credible music magazine. But yeah. she's not, a commercially worldwide famous name, if you see what I mean. Well, not to me, anyway. Yeah. So, I mean, what does, no. what does she sound like? And if someone was listening, going, right, Anna Calvi, I always hear about her, I want to get into her, where should I start? Where should someone start? And what and what does, what does she sound like? Well, beginning, which is an obvious answer, but uh, her earlier stuff um, I find better. Again, as I said, she's quite a small girl with a guitar, and she plays a mean riff. She's a fantastic guitarist in her own right. And then she's got this sort of operatic voice to go with it. Um, so what, you, what you're getting is something quite different. And she's always performed as a three-piece, unless you get the choir or, or an orchestra, which she has done from time to time. She's also a big David Bowie fan, and uh, she, she's done quite a few of the tributes to David Bowie, singing uh, Black Star and Lazarus. And um, she does a fantastic cover of Lady Grinning Soul as well. But if you're looking for something a little bit different... She, she just uh, does some great songs. Brilliant. So Anna Calvi makes her long-awaited Fantastical debut. She takes your super second slot. She'll play from half past three till half past four. We'll take another half-hour break. That'll take us to five o'clock. 
and it'll be time for your midway madness slot. So you said Royal Blood were in consideration, but they didn't make it. So who did make your midway madness slot? Yeah, just pipping Royal Blood. I'm gonna go for PJ Harvey. Oh, amazing! So um, PJ Harvey, her first uh, fantastical appearance. So tell us a bit more about why PJ Harvey for you. Well, I, I first saw her in at Finsbury Park Festival in 1992 so on the same bill as the Colts, who I went to see, and Pearl Jam. And she was just so raw. The guitar work was was the first album, Dry, was out, and absolutely blew me away. And since then, I, I think probably a couple of years after that, she released Bring You My Love album, which I think is her best album. But it was just having that rawness there, I think, from, from that gig. As I said, I've seen her many, many times since. But I just wanted, at that stage of the day, to have something a bit more raw and, raw and powerful. And that's why Royal Blood were just picked, I think, by PJ Harvey. I mean, I, I do struggle with PJ Harvey's last couple of albums, to be honest. Um, don't quite do it for me as, uh, as she did in those older days. Yeah, a great artist there. I, I when any, when anyone ever talks about PJ Harvey, I'm always thrown back to working at Oxford Street and listening to stories from the city, stories from the sea, and just being great a bit album. like, yeah, that's an amazing album. I think that's the one I have to associate myself with her. But no, it's still going strong, and she's releasing all her stuff on vinyl now. So for all Indeed. the collectors out there, it's, it's a great time to be a PJ Harvey fan. And she makes her fantastical debut so she'll give you the rawness that you want in your midway madness slot she plays from five till six so your first three acts are done they are in the fantastical vaults they've gone down an absolute storm at the valiant festival two more to go we've got your headline act and your pre-headline act so first up your pre-headline act they're going to get an hour and a half they're going to get to play from half six to eight o'clock so Derek who is going to be your pre-headline act I'd say a lot of thought went into this and it was a choice between Muse, Depeche Mode, Porcupine Tree, but I have opted for the killers. <laughs> I've just gone for that good time band. I know everybody will, will guess I've chosen that, but I must have seen the killers. I don't know. It can't be far off a hundred times. Really? And wow. Yeah. And they just put on a fantastic show and that's it. I mean, musically, it's not something I would really listen to and put in, oh, that's my favourite music. Um, I mean, I love the single When You Were Young, uh, but as uh, as a band, they just do a really good stage show. I mean, to see crowds of people in their thousands all singing along, knowing every word to the song, it, it takes some beating as a, as a festival gig. Yeah, I have to agree. We were listening to the radio the other day and the track that everyone knows from the first album, Mr. Brightside, came on. And I said to Sarah, this is good, but this isn't the best song on the album. And she was like, oh, what is? And I put on the track later in the album that's titled Escapes Me, but it's the one that ends with the I've got soul and I'm not a soldier. And I said, yeah. oh, to see this, because I've never seen The Killers, one of those acts who I was into from the first album, through working at HMV, you get to catch on to trends and new bands very quickly and I remember the Killers coming over for the first couple of gigs and doing Brixton's and the much smaller gigs and thinking oh, I can't yeah. I, I can't be asked to see them and then by the time it, I wanted to they were kind of into arenas and stadiums but I, Killers are a band who I've never actually seen but like you said through watching them on TV or my experience with TV whenever they do those Mr Brightsides or Somebody Told Me and, and the Soul, Soldier song that escapes my head now 
it looks like the crowd is just like a sense of euphoria is is going through the crowd. And Brandon Flowers is, is an amazing frontman. He is, yes. I mean, when we first got to know them, he he was quite he's he's a fairly quiet character anyway, but he was a little bit nervy as well. And you could tell that on stage. And then obviously that's changed now. He, he just in total control. He commands that stage fully. Uh, he's a great frontman. But the band themselves, I mean, what I say, band. Two of the guitar, the guitarist and the bassist don't really play with them these days. But Ronnie, the drummer, and on Brandon, they're, they're just fantastic. As I said, when you asked me originally about favourite drummers, and Ronnie Venucci does hit that spot with quite a few drummers as well. He is, he's an excellent drummer. Again, makes it look very easy, but I can yeah. assure you it's very un uneasy. So the Killers, surprisingly, only make their second Fantastical appearance, only the second time they've ever been picked. So they will take your pre-headline act slot. They'll play, like I said, for an hour and a half. They'll take us through to 8 o'clock and then we'll take a half-hour break in prep for your headline act. So your headline act's going to get two and a half hours to play the Valiant Festival. So Derek, who is headlining your fantasy festival? This one's never in question, David Bowie. David Bowie. So David Bowie, already the most selected artist yep. on the Fantastical podcast. So why David Bowie for you? Well, I've been a massive fan since the early days. I remember coming home from school and the programme called Lift Off with Aisha was on, on at about five o'clock and he was on there singing Space Oddity. And I just, wow, as a, as a kid, that, that just blew me away. And then I sort of got into, I think he just released Ziggy Stardust and just thought that was fantastic. And I've followed him ever since. I mean, yeah, there was, uh, some of his albums weren't so good in the middle period, but the last couple of albums, and I've seen him live as well quite a few times. First time I saw him was 1978, Bingley Hall, Stafford. And, and one of my regrets is not seeing him during the Ziggy Stardust period. Uh, um, that's one I really missed out on. I also saw him in, I hadn't seen him for a while, I saw him in 1997 at the Hanover Grand, just off Regent Street. It has a capacity of 600. Wow. I mean, I stood outside there in the queue. We had special VIP tickets and I was offered £400 for my ticket while I was queuing to go in. And I did think about it. I almost <laughs> said that. I, wasn't, I didn't think about it at all, but, but I did. £400 is an awful lot of money in 1997. But, you know, that probably goes down as one of my favourite ever gigs going to that. And I also saw him at the Isle of Wight in 2004 and that was his last ever UK gig. But it, it's it's sort of... It's just got everything in it. You know, he's changed, obviously, over the years and he morphs into somebody else and playing different characters. And I just even... I mean, I think Black Star is a fantastic album. And to finish on that, when he knew the state of play at that point, that this was his uh, farewell um, and he was only going to be with us a short period after that. But that is just a fantastic album. And Lazarus, I just love listening to that. It's a really, really good album in its own right. Is there any kind of period that you would want him to include in his Fantastical set for you? I mean, there's so much to choose from, from Bowie. I mean, you know, there is. From, yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, probably, uh, I don't know how many people would agree with this, but I'd go for Station to Station album. I think the, the title track is fantastic. And then you've got Stay and you've got Wild as the Wind. I, I just love those tracks. And I think that was that was a great period. But obviously, as I said, it's difficult because I was brought up really hardest in the Man Who Sold the World. 
And talking of drummers, I, I sort of had dinner with the drummer who played on the Black Star album recently, and he was saying what, what a wonderful person he was when he met him. He was so humble, so nice. And again, I, I spent some time with Woody Woodmansey, the drummer with The Spiders from Mars, who was on the first albums. And some of his stories were fantastic. How he, he got, got a call from Mick Ronson, the guitarist, for him. Woody and Trevor Boulder had come down from Yorkshire to play with David Bowie. And they'd never heard of this David Bowie guy. And off they came. And they said, This guy walked in in a sort of, right, we're going to wear makeup. And they just looked at him looked at each other, you know, we're from Yorkshire, we don't put makeup on, you know. And then, but then, sort of, after the first gig, he said, it was a rush to go and put the makeup on, they all enjoyed doing it so much, and getting on stage with all the, uh, the gear and the makeup, they thought it was great. That's brilliant. Some great stories there. So David Bowie makes another Fantastival appearance. That is indeed David Bowie's seventh um, appearance at the Fantastival. So he'll headline the Valiant Festival. He'll play for two and a half hours, and at 11 o'clock his set will come to an end, and he'll welcome back onto stage Bebop Deluxe, Anna Calvi, PJ Harvey, and The Killers. So you've got a stage worth of an incredible talent there. Um, and they get to play one song of your choosing to close the Valiant Festival. So, Derek, what song are you going to have for your encore? I will go for Love Will Tear Us Apart by Joy Division. Great track. And why, why that track in particular? Why is, why is that one your encore? <sighs> I just love that song. It, it sort of never ages to me. I can always listen to that. Um, I think it's brilliant. It, again, it was so difficult to choose from. I came up with half a dozen before... And sort of, I arrived at that. And if you leave me another day, I'll come up with a different one. <laughs> it was very close to being Deliverance by the Mission. That that was my going to be my other song. And then I decided, I, or or even Personal Jesus by Depeche Mode. I think is another cracker, especially for a festival crowd. But I'll go Joy Division. Everybody knows it. Mm. I, I I just think it's a great track. Yeah, agree. I can imagine those artists like Bowie and the Killers and PJ Harvey liking that track as well and doing it doing it a great justice yeah. as well so great Very selection there are you going to have any artists play an album when they're on stage in full well that's where my station to station came in i was going for bowie to play station to station album in its entirety again that changed i was going to have beat bob deluxe playing modern music uh, but I'll, I'll, I'll go for that i'll go for station to station fantastic so that completes an incredible fantastical lineup you'll be pleased to know that Prediction wise, we've got three out of five, which isn't bad. So, Darren had Bebop Deluxe, which he got. Darren will also surprise you in one he got, and he'll astound you in one he didn't get. So, Darren actually got Anna Calvi. He called it. Wow. So, well played, wow. Darren. And he obviously yeah. called David Bowie as well. His other two predictions the one who he called when you were talking about Mistacks was the mission. So, he got the mission. So, Fair play to him there. And I don't know if... You've mentioned her, but I don't know if he was serious or not. He put Kylie Minogue as his fifth (laughs) prediction. So, amazingly, we didn't pick the killers, which I look back on now and I just think, you idiots. Like, how could me and him not go for the killers when talking about your fantasy festival? Yeah, I almost didn't go for the killers, though, in truth. (laughs) Because I said musically, you know, it's not my thing, but... I. I've been to see them so many times, and they're just such a good time band, really. Kylie, I like Kylie to look at. <laughs> we'll just leave it there, shall we? <laughs> so three out of five, that is much better than what I've recently done, so I'm having that. So thank you to Mr Houghton 
for his prediction. So let's tie in this fantastical lineup into the fantastical vault. So you can still change your mind up until the point where we lock it in. So we have the Valiant Festival taking place at Val Park. In your opening slot, we've got Bebop Deluxe. In your super second slot, we've got Anna Calvi. In your midway madness slot, we've got PJ Harvey. Pre-headliners of your fantasy festival are the Killers. And in your headline act slot, we've got David Bowie, who's going to play his album Station to Station and lots more. And for your encore, those five acts are all going to play Love Will Tear Us Apart. Derek, are you happy with your lineup? Are you happy to lock it in? Yes, you can log that in. As I said, I could change it on a daily basis, by and large, but <laughs> um, that's, that's, I'm quite happy with that. That, that is a lineup. That is a great lineup. So well done on the Valiant Festival. So with that, we bring a close to the 49th episode of the Fantastical Podcast. If you've enjoyed this one and you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe. Give the podcast a review on iTunes. And if you're listening on Spotify or Anchor, you can follow the podcast and get the podcast as soon as they are uploaded every Sunday morning at 9am. If you're on social media, we are on social media too. We're on Twitter at Fantastival P. So if you're on that for format, please come and give us a follow. And if you're not, you can email us at fantastivalpodcast at outlook.com. Dot com. Unfortunately on podcast we can't play music but I will get some tracks from Derek's acts and maybe a few more and we'll make a Spotify playlist and we'll have those in the episode description. So if you like what Derek's had to say about anyone go and look in the episode description and there'll be a link there to his podcast playlist. So a huge thank you uh, from myself to you Derek. We finally got you on the podcast. How have you found it? How did you find the whole process and the whole Zoom element of it? Oh, great. As I said, I haven't used Zoom before, having not needed to. So that was, a, that was a painful introduction, to be honest with you. But no, it's great. I, could, I say I could talk all day about music. I love music. And it's, as soon as we finish here, I'm sure I'll come up with, oh, why didn't I mention those bands? Why didn't I have that? Why didn't I have that? There's just so many. That, that's the problem. Great stuff. Great stuff. Once the Fantasy Festival kind of runs its course, maybe we'll get you back on the podcast to share more stories about drummers and and gigs because I think you've got lots lots to tell. So maybe one day we'll have you back on the podcast. But I'll be back soon with episode number 50 as we reach our half century. So please make sure to join me. But until then, stay safe, my fantastical friends. Please continue to spread the word. And that word is fantastical. Thanks for listening.